conversations. So, that being said, what is good reading material between now? I mean, I get it's really just learning what the Crown platform, what, what Crown, what the Crown is, and how it works, and being able to effectively convey what its benefits are over traditional means of currency. Commerce. Commerce, thank you. Commerce, thank you. So where's, where's a good start, like, where's a good starting point for someone to be reading or researching? I should put together some kind of, like, a reading list that are just, like, helpful snippets from different locations, because I don't even know if I could try to assess in my brain what like what information has helped because it has definitely felt like there's just a constant fire hose of information yes as there is there's something bookmarks right yeah like trying to keep on top of the latest whatever times of thousand so um probably it moves so fast that like only some of history is even still relevant so you don't want to waste your time, like you said, like reading through forums when... No, it's almost like where you were creating a... Here's the dummies but for crypto. Dummies guide for. Yeah, so I did make a couple videos a while ago that were supposed to be just kind of super basic. Not assuming that somebody already knows what blockchain and Bitcoin are. And those are on my YouTube channel. But as I've kind of reassessed my approach, I don't think I knew as much about the overall architecture of the system back then. So I'm not sure if they're still accurate. But, um, I mean, I have spent a lot of time watching videos that were like those Dash ones where people were just trying to explain it, but that were a lot less simple than that one okay like she broke that one down pretty well based on the ones that i have seen out there so i can't even really recommend most of the you know intro to bitcoin or intro to cryptocurrency ones because they basically assume that you know something about the technology already and then they'll just start off saying oh it's a decentralized distributed ledger technology without explaining like why is that important why does that why do people care about ledgers at all and what is the day-to-day language that equals what you're talking about because it's supposed to be that you can using encryption you can own your own data and one application of that is transfer of monetary value that's like the most basic thing is that they're just trying to say like basically what happened was somebody had this idea that this you know taking a database and putting copies of it on a bunch of different computers at the same time would be an interesting approach to network security and he or some people took that idea wrote some code that ended up being Bitcoin and it just ended up being a database like a single database that just over the course of a few years 
like hundreds of thousands of people just ended up running this exact same file on their computer. Okay. And so since nobody could have really predicted how many people would use it how soon, it was never really designed to be like at full scale worldwide use in production. It wasn't built that way. It was built more like what I was talking about earlier, like prototypes that are designed to fail and that sort of thing. Okay. So one of the biggest controversies that you'll probably end up reading about or having to read about in order to understand is called the scaling debate. Bitcoin scaling debate and so if you even if you just google that and try to kind of get both sides of it the context is that Bitcoin itself may or may not be able to handle a lot of transactions at a time if mass adoption were to happen it may have some problems where like transaction fees become ridiculously high and so people kind of predicted that that would happen, and then it did happen. And, like, when I was showing Mike Voss how to use the Coinbase app, I sent him $5 worth of Bitcoin, and it cost $16 to send it. Mm, okay. So, so it was, that's, that's the one side of the scaling debate, is that Bitcoin is not actually production-ready. So if you are looking to the future future, you should be interested in an altcoin. That would be like Crown or Nexus or whatever Sky wants to build. Because they're, they're more prepared to be scalable? Right, because now they know about the scaling debate problem with Bitcoin, so they could solve it proactively by coding it differently. Oh, because different Bitcoin's code. coding never was a, they never anticipated it. There's no way for them to go back and right, so, write it or modify it right now. Yeah, actually, what, what would have to happen because it's an open source software project is there's a there's like a group of people who have you know been elected or whatever have become the gatekeepers for the bitcoin core code which would have to be the code that's updated in order to bring a change to what you're talking about right and the problem is um remember how i said that like for the proposal to have an update to that system we have to go out into chat channels and tell everybody to update their hardware or to update their software to the latest version right well, Bitcoin would have to do the same thing. Only they don't have a couple thousand users like we do. They have like a couple million users or tens of millions or whatever. Okay. So, yeah, when you read about that, you'll run into something that's soft and hard forks. And so that'll be something that it keeps coming up. So you'll eventually have to just kind of read through the grind about what those are. But that's basically... The ways that these types of permanent databases are changed. Soft and what? Soft and hard forks. And it's something like whenever you're trying to add a feature to something that's running on so many different computers, you know, you either make it so that it's backwards compatible so that you don't have to upgrade. You can stay on version 3 and I'll be on version 4 and everybody can live happily ever after. Okay. And the other one is basically, like, you can't. If you want to stay on version 3, then you just become a new entity. And all the people who upgraded become Bitcoin. And all the people who don't upgrade or who upgrade a different way due to some sort of a decision that couldn't be agreed upon, then, you know, it basically means that it, it splits, the, uh, splits the database in two. And it, so then I'm assuming soft is when you go back 
No, it just means like it's not destructive. It's just a, it, it basically means like everybody can update and we'll all stay. We'll all consider that our tokens are the same value as they were before. Um, and then with a hard fork, basically people who don't update will be on an entirely different like database, a different value system. It's kind of like, well, it's it, it's a completely new problem, so it hasn't. Like, this is the problem with researching it, is really... I don't know how much is even known about it. So the way I see it, the, at least the way I'm thinking of it, is, like, so if it's a hard fork, basically if you don't update, you get booted from the island, and you're stuck on this boat that only has existing information, and will never, ever get any more information than what it currently has. Because you made the decision to, to leave the island. Or stay on the island and not do the upgrade if you want to look into it later on. Yeah, it's kind of like if the island can't agree to change unanimously, an entire copy of that island is made. And the participants can choose to live on both or one or the other of the islands. Okay, got it. So then why is that even an option? Why don't you just always be here's the option? Here's the update. Do it or not. If you do, you'll have this. If you don't, you'll have this. Well, can always come back and do the update whenever you feel like it. That's a good point. So that brings up one of the touted benefits of using this blockchain distributed database for your ledger is that you can't go back into the past and change any of the data. It's it's got a timestamp on it that basically says what was the change and who changed it and when did it happen and everybody agrees on that. Okay, well, that makes perfect sense when you're dealing with ledgers, but... Uh, so... Okay, go ahead. Yeah, so I'll come back. So, basically, the coding side of it is that somebody has to write this C++ code... Okay. ...in the beginning that says, how is this database going to work with all of the other nodes in the system? Like, once people start sharing it around. There's a predetermined spec if you will that says we all agree at this every number of every this number of minutes and we coincide using this kind of encryption algorithm and so there's a few things in there that are variables okay so during that they basically decide like some parameters that have to do with maybe the size of the transaction fee or something like that that ends up having caused this scaling debate problem. So they're coding things like that. Like okay. transaction fees will be this percentage based on this. Right. Blah, blah, blah. So if they then submit that that is the specifications, that also becomes part of this time-stamped uh, system. So the system is not only tracking, like, you have this much tokens and I have this much tokens... That's kind of like an arbitrary value system that it's keeping track of, but it's also keeping track of like the code that changed itself. Okay. All right, so what that means is that basically no developer can just go into the Bitcoin code and say like, oh, we need to make this instead of 10 megabytes, it's gonna be 20 megabytes so that we have more room for data because we didn't foresee this change because that has to be agreed upon by so the very all thing the that makes using it, it. Everybody, and the very thing that makes it beautiful is also the thing that's limiting. Yes, exactly. And so basically the security of that system is because it's so hard to change, but that also is turning into what is the consensus mechanism. Like how does the community agree on all the changes? 
And that's why projects that came later, like the Crown Platform, have this built-in governance proposal system so okay. that there's a way to make changes in the future. And those are reasons why some people would say, you know, altcoins and alternative projects probably have the end game played out better because they've seen the mistakes of, not the mistakes, but the downfalls or the shortcomings of Bitcoin at scale. So these are kind of the primary things that sucked up my time researching was okay. understanding like Bitcoin versus altcoins, soft versus hard forks, and like how does the community agree to change this code together when that code affects the value system that's attached to it. Okay, got it. So here's a good example is that at some point there was a hard fork on the Bitcoin, the main primary you know code that was so big that enough people started running the other version and still running the old version that they now have this other blockchain called Bitcoin Cash that wanted to try to be more lightweight and have less transactions and everything. So basically what happened is so many people said, yeah, we want to go for this change that it became uh, running on enough computers to be kind of a competing version of the same database. And so people had to start referencing it with different names. Well, what happened was because they diverged from the same point in the coding sense, right. when they broke off this branch, now people, all, all the people who were on this original thing at that time that that happened now had two, two databases. So it's like you had file1.db and then you just look in your hard drive and now all of a sudden you have file2.db. Right. Well, like... You got to remember what is that database keeping track of? It's keeping track out of how much money you have, basically, in the Bitcoin sense. It's keeping track of how many tokens are assigned to your identity value. Right. So, how many coins or how many dollars do you have in your wallet? Well, now you have a copy of one. So, what happened is basically people who had $10,000 worth of Bitcoin now had, at the time of that fork, had $10,000 worth of Bitcoin cash as well. Oh, that okay. just came out of thin air. Oh. So it caused this very interesting economic back way, like back propagation waves of hitting the exchanges. All of a sudden, the exchanges were trying to then let people trade in this second database right. of tokens. And so people are like now having to speculate in real time. Do they think that other token is going to go up in value because it's lighter weight and faster and newer and more progressive? Or are people going to buy that coin now just because it's going to hit the exchange and the people who are thinking the first way are going to drive the price up and then these people who are thinking the second way can dump the price and both ways of thinking affect the exchange's end result which was that that second chain reduced in value to about an eighth or so of what bitcoin was worth right okay and so that fluctuation and things like that happening like literally people's value portfolios being able to change by that magnitude in that small of a time frame is like why people are interested in cryptocurrency from a perspective of like just the money fluctuations that they're just like, okay, wait, wait, wait. So what can happen? Because it used to just be a software problem right. until somebody connected this to a value system that became popular with millions of people. Right. Okay. So that's the interesting sandbox. That's the interesting playground is like we're in a space where all those fluctuations are just like right around the corner. Those are the black swans. And they could be positive or negative black swans. Because you couldn't have known 
you know, until all those people came to enough consensus at the same time through some specific way to then make that split and then exchange decides to host it that okay. night and that kind of thing happens. So how does this now factor in with what you're doing with the LA people? Or is that different? So the best connection I can make to that is that those exchanges, the places where people trade Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash, mm-hmm. like when that happened, all of that trading and those value fluctuations occurred on exchanges. Those are the only places really where these digital right. tokens can intersect with real or fiat currencies, paper money. Right. Because of that, and that's so early in the industry, the exchanges right now themselves are very centralized for the United States anyway. Which means we have like two, depending on what state you're in, maybe three websites that you can go to to go and buy these currencies, Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash. Okay. So those places are highly regulated by the Securities and Exchange Commission. Okay. And so there's like, this is another part of the back and forth debate that I guess will be could be part of your research, but some people view cryptocurrency as like, a a way to get out of being regulated by the government and other people feel like it's just the way that money is going to be in the future we can't get away from the government so we'll go ahead and let the government regulate cryptocurrencies we'll pay our taxes on crypto that sort of thing so you have this kind of divergence of the subcultures starting to take two drives it's like do we pair up with our local and federal governments or do we kind of just like go more uh, cyberpunk rogue and kind of make our own internets and our own, because now it's technically possible to make, you know, private networks that are encrypted so that, you know, whatever, that people are protecting their own data. So the LA project, at least the one that I've talked to him about, is a decentralized version of those exchanges. And there's already some of those that are that exist, but it basically means like instead of having a company that's based in the United States that's regulated by the federal U.S. government that has to collect like your name and social security number and a picture of your passport when you sign up and that kind of thing, then those people have their own servers. And then when you say that you'll pay this many tokens for that many tokens, all those transactions are happening on their servers. So that's all the centralized way. So what he wants to start up is a decentralized exchange that allows people to match up with each other in a real-time cadence without there being a bunch of central servers. It would work more like Tinder. Okay. So it would allow people to say, like, these are my requirements. These are my requirements. And it lets people ding in real time. Oh, here's a match. Here's a match. Here's a match. Okay. And the result would be that you could just open up this... This DEX, they're called a decentralized exchange. You could just open up this DEX, hey. like on your phone, and say, okay, it's a good time to buy Bitcoins. I'm just going to say uh, I'll buy Stop. one Bitcoin for $10,000. Okay. You offer that, and like it finds you a match and makes that happen without there being a centralized company that has your information. Okay. So it's like, how do you make that happen? Well, he has an idea, and in order to do that idea, he wants to you know, basically pre-sell the tokens that instead of using this wellspring of tokens over a long period of time, like Crown is doing, he wants to basically just generate all of the tokens at the very beginning 
make a bunch of demand for them by saying that basically they'll be used in this future project. So you pre-buy the tokens now. That is the way that you fund then the development of the project. Okay. So it's kind of like a initial public offering. In the crypto space, they're called initial coin offerings or limited token sales. That makes sense. And uh, yeah, so it's a very popular thing to do, but it's not very popular with the U.S. government or with the SEC because they're having a hard time regulating it because it's, it's just on websites and everything. So a lot of people are spinning up projects that are fake, and because of people being afraid to miss out, they'll buy into some projects not knowing anything about it. Mm. The developers take the money and run, and then there's no way to trace it because the system is anonymous as it was designed. Okay. So there are people abusing the system, and in any kind of free market, you get these little corners and patches of like people who are just anti-government who are abusing the system. Absolutely. These people are trying to build highly regulated platforms that are just profitable, and then there's some spectrum in the middle. Okay. So the LA Project is trying to launch a limited token sale to build an, a, a global decentralized exchange. That's just the fastest with the best cryptography, the most future-proof, <coughs> that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, that project will be, like, a lot of marketing and then a lot of, like, hiring and then, like, straight development work, like, product management. Like, you know, some okay. developers will be, like, grinding away and talking to, like, mathematicians and scientists about how to make... Um, a, a network that runs on millions of different computers, but that's also like able to be protected when quantum computing kicks in, that that sort of thing. Got it. So yeah, that one I'm interested in because of like all the brainstorming sessions and just whiteboarding out very large scale grandiose ideas, like launching some CubeSats into low Earth orbit from our friends who have this vector rocket company down in Arizona. Those guys we would be visiting down there. Got it, got it, got it. Okay. And I'm trying to get them to come together because they each have something to offer. Crown has like a very tight-knit community, but not a lot of like like the new cutting-edge funding mechanisms because they had already decided to code in this more of a long-term slow spring deal. Mm -hmm. So they have the loyalty of a community that's just been slowly building up this value over time together, which is like, basically you can't, you can't form that out of thin air, you know? So, um, but you, you basically can only do at least at the technology of the time, you can only do one or the other. You can't do the limited token sale and the long generation over time thing. They're just, mm. they use two different economic models. Okay. Right? But if on the business layer, these two teams work together, that would allow the one place to have a decentralized place for their tokens to be exchanged. Right. And on the other hand, there's developers over here that have a bunch of work to do, and there's about to be a well-funded team of developers over here who are working on something if they could get together and instead just say our next version of the thing includes this company, you know, it's like a, it would be like an early merger kind of win. Like we'll share our intellectual property with right. you. You share your development and your money with us. We get together, we build the product, we come to market faster than we would have. And instead of being competitors, now we're together. So that's what I think would be a great long-term thing. 
and especially if Joe moves down here or comes out here for a visit and can make it down to California with us because he is working on the crown platform with me. So if we can both hit up okay. Sky, we'll be half the team already on both projects. So, okay. you know, that's kind of the end goal. That's the mid goal there would be to give both projects a boost by having them work together. And imagine if they suddenly have like more places to stay when they go traveling and more people at the meetups whenever they have them because like now the communities would be like joining together. Right. And Crown has a big community and Sky has big ideas. So if those can then his it'll give his ideas a place to then grow. germinate and grow. Right. Exactly. And then it will give all the community people an influx of all these ideas and money and you know get people into it. Got some good audio on the Anchor app there. Is that what you're doing? 